Welcome back to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, events, and issues surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Finestone is playing hurt today. We're glad he's here. And uh, Jeremy, we have had a very busy week, uh, and we are looking forward to talking about it. We've got a lot to go over, and we have begun Super Junior Tag League. There were four shows this past week to talk about. We have Fighting Spirit Unleashed coming up in Las Vegas. New Japan stars are popping up all over the world for other organizations. We're just trying to keep up, aren't we? Uh, how are you doing? Did you make it through all those shows? I've seen everything. I think I've seen everything. Uh, whether I remember it, given I was in a fevered state for half of it, it's debatable. You're not really going to get my best work today, but I promise you it'll at least be accurate. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. We're, we're, we're glad you made, we're able to make it. I know you're not Thank feeling you, all that well, but uh, we, we wouldn't be right without you. And man, we've just got so much to talk about. So do it. before we break all these things down, uh, th- there's so much going on. I don't blame anybody out there if you weren't able to catch all of the shows this week. So we are going to go over news and notes. We are going to go over each card. Before we do, though, Jeremy, for the folks that aren't able to just spend the amount of time we can watching New Japan, what do you think were some of the must-see matches from this past week, this Super Junior Tag League, which is a condensed schedule? There's a lot going on. What were some highlights and things that if you told somebody, look, if you if you don't see anything else this week, these are some matches you should catch? So I don't really think there's anything on that list from night one. But I think do think that Catch 2-2 versus uh... – the War Dogs on the main event of night two was a tremendous match that you should probably go out and see. Uh, Sho and Musashi, Musashi versus Desperado and Wato in the middle of that card was also really, really good. There was also the Zack Sabre Jr. and Bolton Oleg singles match that finally happened on night two of the Tag League. And if you were wondering if that happened, we'll talk about that later, but that was something that you should check out. I feel like the show when it, the show started going into overdrive when... Bushi and Teton met up with uh, Desperado and Watto at night three. Uh, that alongside uh, Kushida and Kevin Knight versus the War Dogs at the main event of night three was also pretty much fantastic. As for night four, I thought uh, I, th- I have thoughts about more of it later, but uh, Bushi and Teton versus the War Dogs again was a tremendous match. And you kind of need to see Sho and Musashi versus Yo and Ken. Uh, Yo and Musashi versus Sho and Yoshinobu Kanemaru uh, for much different reasons. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> Other than that, well, what do you got? Well, I was looking at it, and I, I, I had a few. I did have something from night one, though. I, I did think there was okay. something worth checking out on night one. And, that, and that's fair enough. I mean, we can uh, differ on that a little bit. But I did think that uh, on night one, Sho and Kanemaru versus Teton and Bushi was pretty good. Okay. I thought that might be worth uh, taking a look at there. I did think that was a really good match. Night two, I agreed, was better. One match that I think the people should go out of their way to see, there was a 20-minute time limit draw on night two at Corican Hall between uh, Sonata, Taichi, and Uemura oh, yes, yeah. fa- facing Shingo, Naito, and Suji. And all six of these guys were just 
on that night. That match was terrific. Very fast-paced, very exciting. A lot of fun. I like that one an awful lot. I was not expecting it to go to a draw. And no. then it did. I mean, Chris actually mentioned at some point that it was going to be going to a draw, but I didn't actually believe that it would. So yeah. <laughs> I thought Ua Mora might do the job in that one. Just looking at who was in it, there weren't very many people that could do a job in that match. You know, that was the other thing about it. Was I was watching, I was actually curious, like who's going to take the fall in this? Nobody. Uh, then uh, TJP and Akira against Connors and Maloney in the main event that night. That was a fabulous match. I think that's yes. worth taking a look at. Connors and Maloney again against Knight and Kushida on uh, the second night from Corican Hall. That's the 25th. That one's worth going out of your way to see, I thought. So those were the ones that I would say don't miss. Today in Saitama, I, I didn't have any to add to the list right there. It wasn't a bad show. That's not what I'm saying. Just as far as anything where I'm like, you got to go watch this one. That wasn't quite uh, the case there. I think the fourth show in four nights was starting to wear on the guys. They could use a day or two of. That was such a different arena, too. Like, yeah. it, it looked so bare. Uh, you have yes. the name of the arena there. Right. Uh, they made great use of it, but Wing it was... Wing hat. Was it? Wing hat. W-I-N-G-H-A-T. Wing hat so, is the name of the arena. Uh, but there was, a lot of, there was a lot of skipping to straight to the matches on the night four because we watched it with Japanese commentary. That was mm-hmm. only thing. It was actually a bit brisker show uh, watching it tonight, but uh, all in all, I feel like we're off to a moderately slow start, but I feel like I'm getting a vibe of where this tournament is going, and we'll talk about that if we get into it. Yeah. All right, so let's get to some news and notes, though, because there are a lot of things that have happened over the course of the week uh, that we want to get into before we start breaking down these cards one by one. And, of course, we'll, we'll preview next week, which is going to be even busier than this week, mm-hmm. and also the Fighting Spirit Unleashed card from Las Vegas. So a lot to get which to. Which you'll be on. there live. I will be there live. I'm excited. I'm flying out tomorrow, uh, going to see U2 at the Sphere, the new uh, building there. I'm excited about that. I haven't seen U2 in 31 years. so I'm, I'm You're really actually going to have to spend the last 15 minutes of next week's show talking about that. Sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty fired up about the Sphere <laughs> thing. You know, I've been intentionally dodging little quips that people have posted online from sure. it. I've been hiding my eyes from it. I want to be amazed. Uh, I've seen what the Sphere looks like on the outside, you know, when it mm-hmm. looks like a giant sun coming up or uh whatever else they they do all kinds of effects with it i found out also by the way it's four hundred fifty thousand dollars a day to advertise on the sphere so if you have half a million bucks so i i should we start the gofundme so we can advertise speaking of strong style on there hey man there are better ways to spend money and worse ways to spend money let's figure it out (laughs) maybe that's not the best idea right there but nevertheless uh we will be uh, i will be at uh, sam's town on saturday for that show and we'll get into the uh, preview for that News and notes. Will Ospreay, of course, going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, well, in February, I guess, technically. So he'll be part of uh, New Japan until then. He has hired Barry Bloom, the high-powered agent, uh, Hollywood agent for the most part, to be his agent and negotiate with probably every company in the world that has money. That uh, Who else? Who wouldn't want Will Ospreay at this point? But Barry Bloom has a long history with professional wrestling. Jesse Ventura was really about the first pro wrestler to hire an agent uh, mm-hmm. that anyone is really aware of back in the, all the way back in the 1980s. And uh, he represented Ventura. And of course, Ventura ended up doing movies and uh, acting before he became governorship, uh, you know, before he acted as the governor for a little while. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and now he's doing his conspiracy nut stuff. But uh, Ventura's <laughs> had a, 
uh, uh, made a lot of deals in his career, and Bloom has been part of that. He also uh, represented Goldberg, uh, the Click, basically Hall, Nash, Michaels, yeah, Triple H, Chris Jericho. And That's a high-powered attorney uh, representing a high-value client. Yeah, yeah, and so, it, but it also shows that Osprey is an intelligent guy. He knows that this is probably going to be the biggest contract and most important one he signs. Whatever the next one is, for however long it is, this is a critical point in his career. I think it's very smart that he's chosen somebody who's going to look after his interests so much because uh, the Sharks will be circling <laughs> once that contract is up. New Japan's going to want him. WWE wants him. And he was very smart this week. Did you see his little line there where he said that, well, we just had the kitchen done, but I'd be willing to move to the United States for WWE if the offer's right. Play all these guys against each other. We'll get every dollar. You deserve every penny. It's very smart. A week ago, before that interview came out, I felt like the chances of him going to WWE were at about 20%. Now, I think it's at about 55%. Mm. I think that they have the advantage in a lot of ways. I think that the injury concerns and the wear and tear on his body up to this point and working a different style, uh, I think those are all things that he's considering. And legacy, he's done a lot of things on the independents, but there's a lot of people that argue your legitimacy isn't cemented. You know, some people outside of WWE and other people would argue has to be cemented inside WWE. And I wouldn't completely, like, dismiss this, is what I'm saying. I think that sure. it's way more legitimate that he goes to WWE now than it's ever been before. And I think it's smart. Um, WWE is very, very hot right now. And finally... How many more dream matches does he have left outside of AEW and New Japan that hasn't yeah. happened? Yeah. Like, seriously, yeah. there aren't a whole lot left right now. He has been going everywhere. Yeah. So if you're going to think that he's gotten all these matches in just because he might not have a chance to do them later on, uh, yeah, I'm on, the, I'm, on that, I'm on that wavelength. What about you? It's an interesting thought. Here's why I think WWE is more possible than it was, say, a year ago. Word is that Triple H is back in charge of creative and Vince is not so much mm -hmm. anymore. Now, that could change the second Vince decides it needs to change. Vince is in charge. He mm -hmm. still is. He's in charge of whatever he wants to be in charge of. Let's put it that way. If he wants to put, put something off on Paul or anybody else, he can do it. He can do whatever he wants. Yes, technically, he works for Endeavor now, but Endeavor's not going to mess with him. Uh, it, so Triple H being in charge is more attractive to a lot of people than Vince. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. And again... And he's very clearly in charge now. It's the point being that when Will said WWE specifically, mm -hmm. I feel that was more of a message to Tony. God. Mm -hmm. That, no, no, I'm not just going to hop aboard. You're going to have to pay me more than they sure. do. And I, I, I feel like that was a very, very bloomish thing for him to say. So what that tells me is he's leaning toward AEW in a way. He's going to listen to WWE. If Paul is there, that becomes more attractive because now you can feel better about the creative end of it because Triple H seems more open to people that Vince was not open to as far as being mm -hmm. a star, as far as pushing them. Just heard that. That was a strange noise. Um, 
You but, blanked out there for a sec. What's that? You, we lost the audio from you for a second there. I'm glad everything's okay. Oh, geez. Okay. I'm not sure. What, we are having severe weather in the area. Uh, Woo. But that's very odd. Okay. All's well. Let's keep it moving. We got Yeah. This. Sorry. Uh, but yes. Uh, anyway, the point being that. Uh, uh, geez, I just lost my train of thought. We were but talking anyway, about Will Ospreay and if yes, negotiating power right now. Yeah, and and so what happens here is with AEW now he can he can still lean toward that, but it's a little more attractive to him. It, the, the, he might get pushed in WWE. You don't have to worry about Vince saying, "Well, we'll just have this guy bounce around and then lose to the to the big guy who can barely move" type of mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, and you know WWE is red hot. That's the other thing. So anyway, either way, wherever he goes, I hope Will gets every dollar he's due because he's. he's fun I, I hope that everyone enjoys the Royal Rumble 2024. Yeah, <laughs> that should be an interesting card, boy. That should be an interesting. That card. that should be something. So, uh, no, I I definitely think that he's not going to be going back to New Japan as a full time guy. I do no. not believe that they will pay him the money that. Uh, and will give him the prestige that he, he that he got the point in time. It really does come down to WWE and AEW. And you know, if I were betting men, I'd probably bet WWE. Okay, well, fair enough. And and it's interesting because I don't think WWE is going to want to lose twice. They missed Jay White, didn't they? Uh, they thought they, they definitely that did not work out for WWE. <laughs> it's working. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. It's always very true. Now, what else is going on out here? We got uh, Hiromu Takahashi has a title belt, of course. He is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. He is also now the DDT uh, Champion. This is, now I'm going to get this right here. This is the Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight title he has won. If you notice on the show, <laughs> he was carrying around two belts. And uh, what this is, this is something that he showed up on a DDT show. He was surprised, uh, Kazuki Hirata. And he won that title from Harada just had that belt at the Frontier match on the last big show there, the Destruction show. And uh, I, I had to look into this belt, Jeremy. Do you want to hear a little bit more about the Iron Man heavy metalweight title? You know I do. It is open to anyone, regardless of gender or DDT employment status. It is a 24-7 title. Now, of course, DDT is a cross between a wrestling promotion and a parody of a wrestling promotion. So I have some information on the title history here. There have been over 1,500 title changes for the uh, Iron Man heavy metal weight title. Uh, past champions have included a monkey, a mini dachshund, a cat, a ladder, a stuffed Hello Kitty doll who lost it to a stuffed Macoon doll. So there you go. Uh, the uh, steel ladder, uh, uh, let's see, the steel ladder fell on the champion and a pinfall was counted. So the ladder successfully defended the title by not being pinned during a time limit battle royal match. The latter was a three-time champion and the first inanimate object to win the title. I'm not making this up. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, a baseball bat, which lost the title after being broken in a decision. Uh, Mr. Kasai, which is a stuffed June Kasai doll. I wonder if it has little blood packets in it where can, you can gig it. Uh, let's see, a big Japan pro wrestling ring truck. What else? A pint of beer. Three different sticks of yakitori. Uh, an inflatable okay. glove doll. This one's my Vince McMahon's Hollywood Walk of Fame star. <laughs> I, I just read that for the first time. I didn't see that one earlier. Uh, let's see. A, a pork bun. Those are delicious. Uh, a pair of chopsticks. Uh, let's see. A uh, What else here? Three different elementary school girls. 
and the entire audience of Beyond Wrestling's American Rana 16 card. I like to think they only lost it because they couldn't find another audience to face them within the 30-day time limit. That's what I It does kind of feel like it's appropriate that Hiromu has this belt uh, after all this. <laughs> so, it did come into play, but I thought that was interesting. That's the uh, DDT Iron Man uh, heavy metal weight title. I can't imagine it's going to stay long, but there it is. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. won a tournament in uh, for the PWA, and that is the Coliseum Tournament, the PWA Coliseum Tournament in he also Australia. Won a he did win a sword. The semifinals were Zach, Jude, the Dude, London, uh, Matt Basso, and Paris de, Paris de Silva. So I, I can't say I'm too familiar with those guys, but uh, that is a, a company that Fujita has worked with and trained with during his uh, short stint over there in Australia. But the PWA Coliseum Tournament won by Zach Sabre Jr. And we also have some information from Bill Bird. And we're grateful for Bill uh, to let us know this is happening. We noticed that uh, Osprey, of course, was attacked during backstage comments at Royal Quest by Gabe Kidd. Turns out that was setting up something for later this year. Osprey will face Gabe Kidd at the next big uh, Rev Pro show on December 16th at the Crystal Palace. That's where the uh, Royal, and as, as Bill mentions, uh, that's where Royal Quest was uh, when it was uh, FTR and... Uh, and uh, FTR and Aussie Open, and a really cool venue. That's where that show is going to be. We're also going to see Luke Jacobs versus Tomohiro Ishii in uh, what it would be a reflection in the mirror match, isn't it? Uh, those two guys with very similar styles uh, finally meeting up. I, I suppose it had to happen, didn't it? So I checked the chat earlier, and uh, I went in there, and I saw that Bill had written this earlier. And I wasn't sure if we were going to see this comment because we hadn't gone live yet, but it was already there. So he put it in there twice. Thank you, Bill. Uh, yeah. This is information that we didn't have. Uh, that, you know, a village to make a success, and we appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Bill. We, we do appreciate that. And uh, that should be a pretty good show. I might yeah. I might actually hang on to my little Rev Pro subscription so I can see that. I wouldn't mind seeing Jacobs and Ishii and Will and Gabe might be pretty good. I can, I would bet you that those match end up on New Japan World a few days after. Kind of yeah, probably about four hours after I watch them on Rev Pro. Yeah. <laughs> so what I else can't. I can't. I told you last week I can't do the stream from device to TV. Like I need it. I need it as easy as possible. I can't do it. I don't. I'm. I'm bougie. I guess I'm bougie. <laughs> There's a new young lion at ringside. Also, uh, they've hinted before that we're going to see the debut of some people before the end of the year. That was part of that business presentation a couple of weeks ago. And there is a new young lion hanging around ringside, getting knocked over by uh, heels and things, but uh, and, and keeping people away from because uh, we don't have the barricades during Junior mm -hmm. Tag League. But uh, it doesn't necessarily mean he's the one that's going to debut, but it is another step for any trainee. He's got the shaved head, the freshly shaved head, uh, so he probably has the black uh, trunks and the black boots ready to go at whenever he's called. Uh, not everybody that works ringside ends up debuting. There have been a few that uh, got that far but didn't quite get in the ring, but it's usually the last stop before you see them actually get into – uh, opening matches and such. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Might see a, a new young line. It makes sense because, you know, of course, Oiwa has gone off. Uh, Fujita has gone off uh, to uh, Excursion, although Oiwa is only going across town. But uh, nevertheless, uh, the Nakashima, Loibe, Bolton Oleg sort of moved up to senior status a little bit. And it's not going to be long for a couple of those guys. By the middle of next year, 
like I think we're going to be seeing some major changes with those guys too. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's going to be interesting to see how that uh, happens that way. And we're going to get to see some, uh, some new folks come in, but you're right. It's not going to be very long. I think before those guys are about ready to, uh, to go off. We're, we're seeing that now where they're incorporating more moves into their matches, their move sets expanding, they're getting more mm-hmm. offense in. They're starting to show some personality, and that's usually the last thing you see before they go away. <laughs> so, uh, and then not that they're being punished. That that that's the progression. That's how this yeah. works. And uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye. We'll keep an eye. It's always exciting when you see new guys come in, and it, I'm always it always just makes me really happy because uh, I love the young lion system and the way New Japan does it. And just I wonder. Guys I wonder how they feel with like the young lion that a guy like Callum Newman comes in and he's just like shot off like a rocket within the United Empire. And they're like, what's going on here? <laughs> I wonder if they're going to be feeling about stuff like that, if it gets petty. <laughs> Newman is losing most of his matches, though, so it's yeah. not like he's getting pushed, necessarily. So. But he looks good. Like, he does. I feel, I feel like it was absolutely a great call to bring him in. He's starting to show more, too. We'll get into that as we go yeah. in. But he's, he, at first, he, I mentioned that, you know, don't try to wrestle like Osprey, wrestle like Helen Newman. Starting to do some of that. And I, I suppose that's normal for everyone when they go to Japan. You are careful. You just want to make a good impression. And after a while, you start to loosen up a little bit. And that's, I think we're seeing that with Newman. And uh, we're going to talk about Super Junior Tag League here next. Is there any other news and notes? Outside? Oh, uh, Dynamite. We got to talk about Mania? Fantastic Mania is coming up, too. I know you have a little bit of a, do you have a graphic on that one? I bet you do. Yeah, but uh, either way. Fantastic Mania is coming back. They mentioned that. It's going to be going on uh, basically through the uh, early February or mid-February. Seven right? nights over eight days. Yeah, it's going to be quick. And uh, Osaka, uh, uh, Kagawa, Aichi, Chiba, and two nights at Korokan Hall in Tokyo. Uh, and so that'll be uh, Fantastic Mania 2024. No names announced as of yet. But it's always good to know that we're going to be seeing some of the CMLL stars uh, over in New Japan once again. That's always I a fun I wonder if that's where we get the blow-off between uh, Volador and Rocky. Maybe. I, I wouldn't I, I would like to see a little bit more of that. I think the blow off has to come in Arena Mexico eventually. And uh, okay. I don't know if I don't know if you saw, we're actually seeing the uh Mistico, the historic, what is it, the historic middleweight champion against Rocky, the historic welterweight champion in AEW. So that's uh that been a big deal there. So uh that that's a big match going on in AEW as part of their working agreement now. Now AEW's Working with CMLL after all this time with AAA, so we'll see what how the politics work out there. Like basically, the rules are they can't be on the same show like AAA talent and CML talent. <laughs> Although you're skirting it when uh, AAA talent does the dynamite taping or do the dynamite live show, and then they put the CMLL guy on the same night on the taping for Rampage and then tell you that they're like, this cannot happen. Like, why can't this happen? Like, this is so dumb. <laughs> CMLL has weird philosophies when it comes to mm-hmm. that type of stuff. They always have. And yeah. to be honest, that's not, nothing new whatsoever. If you leave CMLL, you are dead to them. And how dare anyone else. Take their name. And it's like a telenovela uh, it, it, with CMLL. It, it takes an act of uh, both Congress and the Mexican parliament to get them to do anything about it. They basically had to have a talent revolt in CMLL just to bring back uh, La Parca, the original La Parca, not the current one. Uh, and uh, well, uh, 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 Ray Phoenix and uh, Penta actually yeah. did come back to Arena Mexico 
for a very short run when these guys were so tired of wrestling each other after years and years of very little turnover on top. They were like, yeah, fresh blood, anything, someone, please. And they finally caved in, but it had to take almost the entire locker room going to management and saying, please bring these guys in before they did. It's, it takes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So this is going to be fun. It's not always my favorite time of year to watch uh, all, all the Lucha Libre, but I have, I've appreciated more and more every year that I watch it. And I will, <laughs> I will uh, nimbly say it that way. <laughs> CMLL and Lucha Libre as a whole is an acquired taste to anyone who grew up watching American wrestling or Japanese wrestling because it's so different. The, the, the philosophy is different. The working style is different. The psychology is different. And when you first watch it, you're just like, this is just weird. It just doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right and things. And then when you watch enough of it, you start to understand the rhythms of it. And it's, it's a lot of fun, uh, but it, it does take a lot of work. So, uh, yeah. Are you ready for a challenge? Here's Am I ready challenge. for a challenge? Sure. Yeah, you're yeah, ready for a challenge? We're going to recap four shows and preview one show in one hour. Are you ready Ooh. for this? Let's do this. Uh, do you want to talk about Dynamite at all? Because Okada was on Dynamite, although you can be forgiven for not noticing. Um, We'll do it at the end. All right. Not that big a deal. I mean. <laughs> it really wasn't. It. It should have been. It wasn't. Yeah, we'll talk about it at the end. It, that should, that should uh, bury the lead that maybe wasn't the, it was a fun match, but. Um, very little to draw from it, if I would say. Yeah. Super Junior Tag League is underway, and let's go right to it. So it began with the City Gymnasium in Saitama, and uh, it, it was the first time in that building back without restrictions, and it was right back where they were before. They drew about uh, 1,065 people this year, and uh, the anniversary series in 2019, the 50th anniversary series, popped it up to uh, about uh, 1,400 uh not the 50th anniversary series, but that year's anniversary series popped it up to about uh, 1,400. But this was a normal Saitama crowd, about 1,100 people right there. And, uh, yeah, I, we were getting some questions over there about uh, some of the stuff that's going on in the United States. We will get to those, I promise. So, uh, but it began with the Super Junior Tag League there. Uh, the show opened. I mean, do we want to go over the undercard or do we just want to hit the, the tournament matches? What do you think? Honestly, if there are some that we, we touched on, some of the things in night two that we'll want, really want to touch on, but unless it was noteworthy, let's just get to the matches that matter. Okay. Group stage began with Catch 2 2, uh, TJP and Francesco Akira against Robbie Eagles and Kosei Fujita. And uh, Fujide uh, came out there with his hair dyed a little bit. He's got a little color in his hair, a little blonde in there. He has an earring, a little facial hair. So he's loosened up a little in the six weeks he was away. This match had a lot of Fujita selling early. Uh, you know, the funny thing is I noticed here that a lot of these guys, when they go to excursion or come back, you think, boy, these guys are, are have a lot of talent and they're going to be good. I'm not saying that about Fujita. This guy's good now, right now. He's good now. Uh, it's not that he's getting good. He's really good right now. Uh, his comeback included a somersault senton, but in the end, uh, catch 2-2, two, two, a little bit too much for him here. Uh, pinned Fujita after double knees, a really good match, and I think it established something that we're going to be seeing in this tournament, Jeremy, which is Fujita looking great, getting a lot in, but coming up just short as the new guy, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think I've already pretty much sucked out the stories of these two teams where it's going to be... Uh... TMDK is very good, but they're inexperienced, and the inexperienced moments are going to cost them. And there is an injury angle that they are doing with Catch 2-2 that will play out later that pretty much says to me that it's going to cost them the tournament as well. 
And yeah. uh, so it's just like this was a great start to the tournament. I kind of forgot how hot this one started because everything just kind of cooled down so quickly. Uh, almost right afterwards, I thought, for whatever reason, I just like this was a uh, peaks and valleys kind of uh, first night. <laughs> There it is. Oh, man. I, I was been trying to put up this comment from Dustin here for a while here. Now it works. Uh, Fujita is 21, and man, he could return in a year or two and just be the star of the division. Boy, that's he's true. already going to be the star of the division. Oh, yeah, but no, but you're right. The year or two away is going to do him good. You know, and he's going to be coming back and hopping back and forth, obviously. But uh, the time away will do him good. But boy, he's he's really talented. This he looks like he's, a changed man already. Like. Hmm. Stepping out and going to Australia, it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm leaning all into whatever I need to do for my personality change, and it's just feels like it's working. Now, the Fujita of last year's tournament really was Kevin Knight, and he and Kushida were in the next match against just five guys, that being Doki and Takamichinoku. And Knight looks like uh, a world of difference as well. We've talked about how Knight's been booked by everybody that can get their hands on him. He's been in CMLL. He's been around the world, and People are realizing how special this guy is as a talent. He's also starting to get a little more respect from Ghetto in the booking department here because Kushida and Kevin Knight are not the young lion team, you know, where the, the young lion gets beat uh, every night. That seems to be over with for now. I'm not saying they're going to win this tournament. They might. But uh, in the meantime, he's he's being taken a lot more seriously. This match had some shine for Takamichi Noku early on, which is kind of fun to watch. He ran rampant for a little while. I mean, it I, is in their best interest to have the last holders of the tag, tag, junior heavyweight tag title belts uh, not look like total dorks. So I can see why Ghetto has protected him a little bit. But he's also entirely worthy of being protected. And Kevin Knight did some Kevin Knight things. That was my note right there. He was just doing his dives and his uh, springboards. So he's got springs where his legs are supposed to be, as I've mentioned. Uh, a lot of double team stuff there that they did that looked real good. Taka ended up getting the advantage again, and including they got double submissions on in the ring, the Doki Choki and uh, Taka with the uh, cross face. But that is going to be, and it clearly has already been established as a staple in this tournament, is the double submission spot by a team. <laughs> There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Wato and Desperado do it too. Kushida made the ropes though. The Jet Setter comeback led to a couple of big Kevin Knight dives and a hoverboard lock on Takamichi Noku for the finish. Kushida and Kevin Knight getting the win in night number one over just five guys. After that, we had Desperado and Master Wato, which probably have the most entertaining act of this tour right now. Uh, they defeated Ryusuke Taguchi in the DKC. And uh, Wato, of course, this is a Despo, they are El Despawato, which I think is a terrific name. And as we've seen the T-shirt, uh, Wato has taken a selfie of himself with Desperado looking exasperated in the background, and he's selling that shirt now as their team. Uh, he tried to bring Desperado out with him, but Desperado just wanted his own music played. So this is this whole thing is going to be a slow process as Watto tries to kill uh, Despi with kindness. Uh, finish wasn't in doubt, but it was a decent match. We had some Taguchi comedy, uh, but he did get Watto in a little bit of trouble. trouble. Uh, Watto did win it with the Sikinkaku German. The Sikinkaku German. That's the German with a bridge. So I have a name for it now, the Sikinkaku uh, suplex. Uh, Desperado marches out immediately, and Chris Charlton had the line. He left faster than Kaiji Mudo after taking a pin. And if you know anything <laughs> about that, that's fast. Uh, very few people vanished after a loss quicker than Kaiji Mudo. If, if he's not in the spotlight, he ain't going to hang around. Uh, but, yeah, that was the – if they're a Desperado and Wato, of course, the odd couple tag team had to get on the board early. 
Taguchi and DKC uh, were the perfect foils for him on this one. So it was a Desperado and Watto have made the show for me. Like they are <laughs> what I look forward to. Uh, their matches and the dynamic. There are other things happening on all the shows, but when I'm circling each show, I'm hovering towards Desperado and Watto uh, a lot. And I think there's the main event of a lot of shows coming up. Yes, uh, this week was mostly Connors and Maloney in either the semifinal or the final. We're going to see that with Desperado and Watto most of this uh, upcoming week. And yeah, Dunstan uh, mentioned Despy and Watto have been a good addition on the shows, and we totally agree. We liked it. Up next, we have the Bullet Club, which is Clark Connors and Maloney, like we mentioned, the War Dogs, against Yo and Musashi. So Musashi there is uh, Yo's partner from Mishinoku Pro Wrestling. Uh, some early shine for Yo and Musashi, but then Yo sold for a while so that he could build the hot tag to the new guy, which made sense psychologically. Uh, Musashi did look good once he was in. I mean, he is good. Uh, so that wasn't a big surprise. And they sold for him for a while, but the War Dogs ended up hitting the high-low on him at about the 10-minute mark. Yo got a super kick on Connors as he came off the top rope. That looked really good. Uh, Connors jumped off the top rope right into that super kick. And Yo hit the final hour on Maloney, but Connors managed to break up the pin. They rallied and got the full clip on Yo in what was a pretty good match there on that card. So uh, War Dogs, of course, the champions, starting off strong as they should. They are going to get screwed in the end, but they are going to look dominant for a very long time. I am enjoying Drilla Maloney. I am enjoying Clark Connors. They're playing their role perfectly, and I tip my cap to them. We're going to talk more about them because they're involved in a big way in this. And, uh, yeah, it, of course, they're going to be a major factor all the way through the tournament. Main event, night one in Saitama, was Titan and Bushi facing Sho and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. This one went 13 minutes, 54 seconds, which I believe was the longest uh, match of the night by a little bit over the semifinal. And this one was Heat. Heat, heat, and more heat. The first five minutes was simply a house of torture beatdown on these two. Uh, Teton did manage to rally after a bit. Uh, Dick Togo rang the bell when both Teton and Bushi had submission holds on, to your point. Double submissions. Mm-hmm. I don't understand this whole Togo thing ringing the bell because these two could see Red Shoes standing over them. See him. They were looking at him, waiting for the tap out. Then the bell rings, and they release the holds. Like, you can see the referee standing there. Like, I don't... I. Yeah, the only thing I could think is that there was uncertainty that the other guy's guy had tapped. But, uh, but I'm just the saying, referee standing the there thing. not calling for it. If you're uh. looking for the no prize, that's the no prize. <laughs> All right. Oh, I remember the no prize, the Marvel no prize. Uh, Red Shoes was bumped. Go figure. Uh, Teton kicked out of a pen after the House of Torture attack. Now, Evil and Yujiro uh, are uh, coming out, even if they aren't on the undercard. They, they're kind of popping out and interfering. So uh, we saw that show actually pulled Teton's mask all the way off, got the mask. Teton had to cover his face right then. Uh, Bushi he only came got in a backup and, mask, right? No, uh, Bushi came in and he misted Kanemaru. At that point, they dropped the mask. Okay. And Teton scrambled and got his mask back and put it on. Uh, I thought Chris Charlton said something about a backup mask. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Chris, Chris has, somebody Chris has been, something on the Chris has been doing some interesting things on commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them have to do with what's going on in the ring. He might uh, be Bush, a little fluish, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> but Bushy, Bushy ended up taking out the entire House of Torture on his own. Teton hit a top uh, a tope on Hilo to the entire group on the outside. That was great. And then the uh, double stomp off the top for Teton. Not quite the Angel Immortal, where uh, that's where Bushi hits the lung blower, holds the guy in place, and uh, Teton does the double stomp. This was more of the uh, 
Finn Balor version of it here. He ended up pinning the show. And uh, pretty good, considering there were House of Torture shenanigans in this one. This one was a pretty good one. And uh, the victory there. So uh, Teton and Bushi opened up with a win. So this is where we stand on night one. Yeah. For S's yeah. and G's. People want that for, you know, record keeping. As we move on to night two, you say? Let's move yes, on. we do. We go on to Corican Hall on uh, the 24th. This was uh, 24th. That was Tuesday. And uh, 1,020 in Corican. Not all the orange seats were uh, allowed to be sold. I don't quite know why that's true. Sometimes on the outside, they just block off a chunk of orange seats. And I've seen it at stardom shows. I've seen it at New Japan shows. Even when most of the rest of the building is full and they could have almost certainly sold them, I don't know why. If anybody knows why those seats are sometimes blocked up, I would love to find out. I'm just as on the business end of it. I don't understand it either. I've noticed that at Stardom and New Japan, uh, sometimes a full building isn't totally full because some orange seats aren't sold in the corners. I don't know. Uh, it opened with a six-man tag match that was pretty good, and and this set the tone. And this is why I bring this up. We're not going to be covering much of the undercards here, but Callum Newman, Great Okan, and Hanare beat uh, Loibe, Ren Narita, and Shota Umino. In the first match, it was just a lot of energy. It was a really solid opener. And it, what would you would expect? I mean, Hanare tapped out uh, Loibe there, but it just set a tone. And, and it just seemed like everybody was into having a good night that night. And sometimes all it takes is that one match. Yeah, just a little bit of a spark on the show. Uh, this was a great opener. And it led the way to a really weird undercard before the rest of the matches. We had just five guys, Sonata, Taichi, and Yuya Uemura facing LIJ, and that's Hiromu, Naito, and Suji. And this one was a fantastic six-man tag that was just great. Everybody worked hard. There was big energy. It was it was just humming along. Guys were just kind of flowing in and out of this match. We saw just about every combination of those guys. And uh, it ended up going to a 20-minute time limit draw. And normally that wouldn't be of a whole lot of consequence, except this match was so damn good. I recommend people go and check it out. more I think about it, the more I think that it is a vote of confidence for Yuya Uemura. They did not want him to take the pin. Yeah, That is the natural guy to take the pin in this match. Mm -hmm. And they did not want that to happen, and they rather it go to a draw. You can't do it all that often, but shit, man, that's a great great look for Yuya. We had a title match on the show, Zack Sabre Jr. and Oleg Bolton finally getting his uh, TV title match. Of course, he had to have a delay for health reasons before he got it here. Zack uh, did end up defending the title. Bolton is developing hard chops, and Zack mentioned it in post-match comments. I made note of it during the match before I had heard those comments. His hands are the size of pizza pans, and he's developing a chop, which might just be the worst thing that could happen to the rest of the roster if this guy actually develops a hard chop. My goodness. Uh, but Zack uh, lured him to the ring post and then dodged the chop, and he chopped the ring post. And, of course, that allowed Zack to work on uh, Bolton's arm for the rest of the match. Uh, he has a bear hug into a suplex, Bolton does. It looks mm-hmm. very devastating. And, of course, he's strong enough that he could throw anyone around like a junior heavyweight. And uh, Zach's a perfect foil for that, of course, because you know Zach can climb him like a jungle gym, and then he can just throw him around like a lawn dart. Perfect. Which happens a lot. Bo- there was a Boston Crab struggle. Zach managed to maneuver his way out of the Boston Crab. He got the Cobra twist on him, but he power- but Bolton powered out of that. Uh, got a fireman's carry out of it into a kamikaze roll. That's the, the kamikaze roll is the 
you get them up in the fireman's carry and you do a forward senton and splatter the guy. It's the beginning of the you can't escape thing that Kenny Omega does. Uh, and uh, it looks terrific, though, when Bolton does it, just because he's so huge. It looks good when Kenny does it, too. That was at about the 12-minute mark and the 15-minute time limit, which made it the longest singles match of Bolton's career. Eventually, however, a, a German by Bol, uh, by Oleg hit with uh, two minutes left, but Zach had an arm bar and got the tap out right there. So what I'll say about this is that Bolton looked very poised in this match. Longest singles match of his career. He has been very green, but he is improving a lot. He's not there yet, but this was a really good effort. He did not look lost. Of course, Zach led the match, but he followed along effectively, and he stayed in control and within himself the whole time. I thought it was a good performance. I thought it looked really, really good for him, the way that he looked in this match. I think he has a lot of potential going forward, and I think that was like the 15th title defense for yeah. that Sabre Jinger. Is he ever going to drop the title? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, mean, uh, I would guess Russell Kingdom. If I if I had to if I had to venture a guess, maybe nope. Kaido Kiyomiya at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, could be. Who knows? Yeah. I still remember that they got a little pissy about their uh their feud a little while back. So that would be my hope. We entered the Super Junior Tag League after that with uh Taguchi and the DKC uh getting actually a win over Bushi and Titan in this one. That surprised me. Uh Taguchi got his tights pulled down, he sat on Bushi's face, so you knew this one was gonna be a lot of comedy here. Uh, DKC managed to break up the Angel uh, Immortal attempt, though, and Taguchi got an ankle lock on Bushi, who countered with a roll-up, but Taguchi countered that and uh, ended up getting the pinfall there in the scramble. So from Bushi and Teton, an opening night main event victory, to jobbing to the DKC and Ryusuke Taguchi. This business has hills and valleys. Ass boys. Not enough said. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not into the Taguchi ass thing. I'm glad DKC is getting a lot of work, uh, in new Japan, but he feels like he is writing a C level gimmick while everyone else is writing B or a level gimmicks uh, around him. So I really just, he, he got dealt a poor hand, I would say, but he's doing the best with it. Yeah. I, I'm still not the biggest DKC guy in the world. I think his karate looks really weak when he does that. It's just... caricature karate? Uh, yeah, I mean, not even that. It doesn't look like you can break an egg with those chops at all. Wide-wave stance indicates aggression. <laughs> TMDK was in the next match against just five guys. So we had Doki, Doki and Takamichinoko against Fujita and Eagles. Uh, Fujita, Tope con Hilo, uh, to both on the outside early. A lot of Tope con Hilos in this tournament. There's a lot of that. Uh, Doki, uh, double submissions, Tope con Hilos. That's the, the order of the day this time. It's the crucifix of this tour. Uh, Doki worked over Eagles early. Uh, Taka had a nice series of submissions on uh, Fujita in this one. Daybreak DVT uh, by Doki had Fujita in real trouble, but Eagles managed to break up that pin. Taka went for the Michinogu driver, but Eagles stopped that too. Fujita managed to get Takamichinoku into a suplex, into a cutter. We don't have a name for this move, but he gets him into a vertical suplex position, then drops him down into a cutter. Nice-looking move. Pretty cool-looking. Uh, can't get it on everybody, can you? But uh, it, it, when you can, it looked really good. It was a nice victory there. Fujita and Eagles uh, picking up two points. One of the uh, one of the other New Japan shows on Twitter was trying to workshop this. Uh, I think the We Work Stiff podcast. And they wanted to do like some ice cream theme uh, for Kosei Fujita. So I was like, you should call it the Sunday split. 
And uh, mm. I don't know if they're going to take that, but that that seemed like a really good one. You could do the Sunday Bloody Sunday, a banana split, a banana Sunday. You know, you got a whole mess of it. It just kind of – with the cutter, you're splitting the guy in two, basically. So I, I like the whole thing. But oh. the, Sunday split, we work stiff. That, that's, my, that's my suggestion. <laughs> Musashi and Yo faced El Desperado and Master Wado in the next match. Now, Wado presented Desperado with a T-shirt again, which he promptly threw into the crowd. Uh, I'm rooting for the kid. Uh, Yo and Musashi have shirts, too. They came out with their own T-shirt that parodied the, the Desperado and Wato ones. And they came out to the great Sasuke's old music, which I was really got a kick out of hearing again. And, of course, uh, great Sasuke, the biggest star that Michinoku Pro ever really created, I think. I, I'd have to go back and double-check that. But You mean not Musashi? Uh, not Musashi, but Musashi's good. I mean, I'm not complaining about Musashi, but I thought it was cool. Well, we're talking about the great Sasuke here. It's, great it's, Sasuke. Yeah. Uh, Yo and Musashi are using Chasing the Dragon. That's the uh, super kick in the uh, and then into a Mishinoku driver. So one guy super kicks the other guy while he's in the, the clutches of the other and okay. then ends up in a Michinoku driver. Good to see Chasing the Dragon back. We haven't seen it in a while. Uh, Yo kept finding ways to make Desperado and Wado crash into each other to create a little of that dissension. But in the end, uh, Musashi didn't quite get over the top rope on a tope. Uh, almost killed himself right there. So uh, careful there. Uh, direct drive on Wado, though, was uh, the three count, and that got Musashi and uh, Yo on the board. And the order of this show was evening things up quite a bit. Almost everybody came out of this with a win and a loss, which we'll get to at the end. But uh, this was uh, Yo and Musashi getting on the board, Desperado and Wado tripping over the, uh, slipping on the banana peel with all their uh, crashing into one another. Story mode for Desperado. We are setting up their arc. And uh, as much as I like uh, Yo and Musashi, I don't generally think that they are anything but a middle-of-the-card team in this tournament. And I would love to be surprised, but I feel like they are there to make other people look good while having good matches themselves. I think that's a fair assessment, especially so far what we've seen in the first uh, four days. In the end here, we had uh, two well, two matches left. We have House of Torture against the Intergalactic Jet Setters, which is a mouthful. That's Kevin Knight and Kushida facing uh, Sho and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Uh, all House of Torture early again, just like the last match there. They took about the first five minutes just with heat, heat, heat. Interference from Dick Togo kept uh, both getting more of that heat and kept Kevin Knight from tagging in. So Kushida worked most of this. Uh, Kushida sold for a long time. He rallied eventually and got rid of uh, House of Torture even after Evil and Yujiro came out. Uh, their interference, not the most effective so far. They, they keep getting taken out by uh, Bushi and then Kushida. Uh, Knight went for that big DDT where he kind of jumps high up into the air and then swings down and DDTs the guy. But Sho uh, managed to stop that and shove him into the referee. Kanemaru uh, got Knight on the uh, assisted Cabrada uh, with the whiskey mist in the eye. So that's the one where... Uh, Kushida kind of yanks the middle rope as Knight goes for the Cabrada, uh, which is also called the Lion Salt, and Chris Jericho does it. Uh, that's the move. And uh, as he came over to uh, hit that Cabrada, uh, got the, the whiskey in the eyes. Then Kanemaru hit him with the bottle, shock arrow from Sho, and just as the referee gets back up, and House of Torture pick up another victory. Shenanigans, man. We're going to get a lot of shenanigans from House of Torture. I uh, when I started seeing evil again too, man, I was just, God damn it, we're getting more evil before the World Tag League. Can't get rid of this guy. 
he, he's pretty much bringing like heavyweight legitimacy to the junior heavyweight tag league. Like him and Naito right now are the only two that are around uh, to, to do anything about this. Uh, Dunstan mentions Kevin Knight has one of the major highlights every match. Absolutely. He and he added a new wrinkle that we saw at Corican Hall that we're going to talk about in the next uh, show. So let me get to that. But first, we have to talk about the main event of that one. That was War Dogs, uh, Connors, and Maloney against the United Empire, Akira and TJP. And this is one you have circled, isn't it? I mean, both these mm-hmm. teams are uh, strong tag team champions. Uh, Catch 2-2 in the past, of course, and currently the War Dogs. So, uh the catch 2-2 team had a jump start and fought along ringside, and they got the best of it for a few minutes. But then this one had a very traditional tag team structure, more so than what New Japan usually does. We saw the shine where catch 2-2 was strong early. Then uh, TJP took a lot of heat once the War Dogs took over, started hitting big moves like a leading tower, uh, destroyer by Akira to Maloney and Connors. Uh, they ducked the double knees, and TJP took out Akira. Uh, they hit a high-low on TJP for two. Akira hit a Hurricane Rana off Connors off the top. That looked great. A uh, series of counters, though, led to a drill Akira on Akira. I'm sure he's going to break somebody's neck every time he does it, but he never comes real close when I watch it again. <laughs> Maloney's really good at that move. And then they hit the full clip on TJP for the win. So this is one of those matches where you think this could be the upset right here. Wasn't the upset we ended up getting. We'll get to that. But as it turns out, no, uh, uh, it signals a little bit of trouble for Catch-2-2 as uh, they went to work on TJP after the match and injured his neck. And I use the air quotes for that. It seems to be uh, a worked storyline they're going to be doing for this tournament, Catch-2-2. The TJP is weakened. This was a really good match. And uh, Okan and Hanare, who were doing commentary, Hanare was with Chris Charlton, Okan was with the Japanese team, uh, saved them from a further post-match beatdown from mm-hmm. these two. And uh, pretty good uh, match, uh, really good work. The War Dogs have clearly worked very hard together. And what I mean by that is Connors and Maloney have put together a lot of very smooth transitions, some good double-team moves, and uh, they're just putting a lot, they're putting in the work to yes. make their team better. And uh, this is something that uh, Dunstan noticed too. War Dogs are a legit fantastic team and have been very consistent on this tour. Absolutely true. Every time they're in there, their matches have been really good. Am I at the right one? Uh, no, I got the wrong one here. Okay. Back here. Everything has gone wrong for me. Oh, there we go. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's been real good. And and as we saw there at the end of uh, night two, uh, almost everybody with two points, uh, the, the only people that did not have two points, meaning they are one and one, would be uh, Doki and Takamichi Noku still at zero. And at that point, uh, Connors and Maloney had uh, won their first two. And in fact, at that point, at that moment, they had not lost as a tag team. Nope. They had not lost as a tag team. It's just a straight-up tag team anyway. And uh, that leads us to the 25th of Corican Hall. Had a few more people with this one. There were 1,169. Well, is there anything of note on the undercard? And not so much in this one. The only thing I wanted to mention is that Shota Umino is going to be challenging Will Ospreay, a power struggle, mm-hmm. and he defeated Callum Newman in a six-man tag with a running uppercut to the back of the head, almost yes. a hidden blade uh, type of match. Right? Well, what did he call it? It was something else. It was uh, yeah. They he has a counter move name for it, something ah, right. like a spring blade or something. It was <laughs> it was ambiguous, and I will try to find it. 
Other undercard notes, uh, LIJ, it was uh, Hiromu Takahashi and Yoda Suji facing Ghetto and Taiji Ishimori. That wasn't the story. Of course, Ghetto's going to take the pin in that match, and he did. Uh, it was a Gene Blast finish on Ghetto. Uh, that was uh, the win there for uh, Suji on Ghetto. But afterwards, uh, Ishimori rolled up Hiromu Takahashi after the match and tried to get the pin on for the 24-7 title. Hiromu managed to kick out of that, and he's walking around like what on earth. Then Yoda Suji rolled him up, tried to win the 24-7 title. Hiromu slid out of the ring thinking he was safe, but at ringside, Yudo Nakashima rolled him up from his young lion position and tried to get a three count. Finally, Hiromu managed to flee ringside and retain that belt. So a little bit of uh, goofiness there, but it was uh, it was kind of cheeky, and it was actually a little bit fun the way they did it, where everybody was just kind of laughing. It was like, I'm just going to take a shot. What the hell? Uh, I cannot find what the finish was, and I'm Blaze Blade. Blaze Blade. Yes. Oh. According to the match results on New Japan World from the uh, from the other night, Shota Umino's finish is the Blaze Blade. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll see if that comes into play. And then uh, another thing to mention here: in the uh, Sonata Taichi and Uemura defeated Tanahashi, Ishii, and Loibe. Of course, Loibe took the loss right there. The only thing I want to know from this one, Jeremy. Sonata did a thing where he knocked the uh, other two off the apron. He knocked, uh, he had mm -hmm. Tanahashi in there. He knocked uh, Ishii off the apron. Then he went to knock Loibe off the apron. No Loibe no-sold it, then got in the ring, came in firing forearms on the champion. Then he walked through a Sonata drop kick and hit a shoulder block. And the crowd popped like crazy. It just, Don't make just, that guy I, angry. You wouldn't like I, him when he's angry. <laughs> I guess not. I mean, but to no to no sell the forearms, then to just go into the ring and then take a drop kick from Sonata, not go down, walk right through it, and then shoulder block the champion. And this was not Oleg. This was Lloyd. This was So I want to make it clear for those listening at home, just the complete unusualness of this. Yeah, that's very odd for a, a young man. Rats in the armor of Sonata, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I'm a big, I, I really like Lloyd May. I think he's going to be a uh, really got potential. Yeah. Super Junior Tag League then picked right back up after that. We had uh, Taguchi and the DKC. They managed to get a win over Fujita and Robbie Eagles. Uh, again, DKC, he's wearing different gear every night. He seems a little more comfortable in Japan, but man, that karate stuff still looks really bad. And uh, this is exactly what we were talking about, where uh, Fujita looks good for most of the match, but mm -hmm. he's the one that ends up taking the pin. There was a series of counters after a Dodan attempt by uh, Taguchi, to, and then he ended up getting Fujita in the scramble after that. He tried to do that. Uh, so this was less comedy than the other match, and and not too bad. And at this point, Taguchi and the DKC had four points. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> Musashi and Yo faced uh, Akira and TJP. Now, this is where you saw some of the, the neck-hurting thing really uh, go. He has the Kinesio tape mm -hmm. on it uh, for TJP, and the heat was on him in the match. That was a story they were telling. Uh, Akira's offense lends itself to him getting a hot tag, doesn't it? He just has a – not to make a joke, but he's got that fiery temper, and, and he has that you know, quick hit, fast offense. and it, So it's good for a hot tag, and that's what they did here. But they're versatile. Either guys can do either role. He's a good seller, too, so he can do it all. Uh, Yo and Musashi hit the last of the dragon again. Uh, that was broken up. TJP put uh, Yo up on his shoulder so Akira could hit him with some sort of doomsday device type of move, but he couldn't hold him up. And that was the story there where he couldn't hold Yo up and he kind of collapsed. Uh, 
Yo hit a DMV on TJP after that. That didn't help the neck. Uh, and But TJP managed to avoid the direct drive once, but not twice. And TJP took the loss. So uh, I, early on in this tournament, I would not have picked Musashi and Yo over the United Empire. But the story is clearly mm -hmm. that TJP is compromised. There are going to be a lot of parity in this tournament, and they need reasons to get there. I think there are going to be a couple of teams that uh, maybe one goes seven and two. But I think a majority of teams are going to go six and three and lower, with a majority of them being five, four, and four, five, kind yeah. of in the area. Yeah. And then there's going to be like a tiebreaker that's going to squeeze out uh, the war dogs so that whoever, like, pay attention to whoever goes forward but lost to the war dogs before they go forward. Because if there's any team that does that, uh, they're an interesting pick. Otherwise, the tiebreaker is going to be a big deal in this tournament. The House of Torture faced just five guys, and that was uh, a lot of Taka carrying that match, sold early. Uh, Stereo Acai Moonsaults for Taka and Doki. It was good to see Taka that get that thing. Yeah, it looked fantastic, <laughs> and the crowd really fought for it. Uh, Taka, even got for a, it. <laughs> Taka even got a visual tap out on show, but the ref was down, tied up, all that stuff. Low blow from House of Torture as the ref was down. Show hit Taka with a wrench. You've heard, you've seen all this before. Shock Arrow finished there. Uh, Doki and Takamichinoku still with the goose egg. Oh darn! <laughs> and uh, we had, you know, I'm just, a, I'm just, a, I'm, you know, Dunstan Williams says I skipped the Never house of match. <laughs> Don't blame you. And I uh, also said that the Musashi did look uh, better and in his match right there. Yeah, it was a weird narrative that Chris Charlton made up out of whole cloth about how Musashi wasn't there in the match at Cork and all the first time around. Go back and watch that match. It was. There wasn't a problem. He he did he he almost botched the topic on Hilo, but other than that, the whole thing was just uh, just a narrative that Chris had written down that didn't have much to do with the match. But uh, you know, Musashi has looked good in this tournament. Though. He has, he has, and uh, you know who else has looked good in this tournament? Who's that? The Jet Setters. Yeah, because they faced the War Dogs in the next match, and this was a key moment in this tournament. They had some terrific stuff from Kevin Knight once again. He's really shining in this. Uh, he was speared off the apron by Connors while he was on a holy tear uh, in this one, you know, just hitting big moves on everybody. And then Connors speared him off the apron to the floor. That looked really good. Uh, more really good teamwork from the War Dogs. Uh, I mentioned how they have been developing uh, their teamwork. Their and, vibe check is on point. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then Knight brought out a new wrinkle right here. He actually got both members of the War Dogs in one corner, and he did the Shane McMahon, Shane O'Mac dropkick from one turnbuckle all the way across to the other. And it looked So fantastic. when Kushida was on the other rope, what was he trying to do? He What he, he's trying to do is he's trying to make it look like he is assisting with the spring off the rope. Okay. He's launching the rope higher to give him more push. Correct. Uh, yeah, Got and he it. does that on the Cabrada. He's doing that on the Shane O'Mac dropkick okay. type of thing where it, making it look like he's helping the rope spring him further. Well, trying to it make was it ambiguous like when I was watching it that time, and I was like, I'm going to ask Stephen about this. When yeah, <laughs> I think the idea is to create the illusion that it's a team move. And not Got it. I mean, doing it. Kevin Knight can clearly do the call to call, but real nice of Kushida to give him a hand. Yes. Well, you know, it, it helps if you can make it look like a team thing. So An optic uh, full, to the double-team move, which is more powerful. The full clip attempt came. Knight got out of it, shoved Maloney into Connors. Maloney then dropped onto all fours. It was my favorite spot in the match, even more than the Shane O'Mac thing. 
Knight then used Maloney as a platform to jump up and drop kick Connors off the top rope all the way to the floor. Unbelievable. Looked fantastic. Then he hit a tope con hilo on him, just you know, just as a particular screw you. Uh, <laughs> Kushida was left with Maloney. Kushida won a scramble after getting out of the Drilla Killer and managed to roll up Maloney and win. Terrific finishing sequence. The last couple minutes of this one were worth out of your going out of the way to see, and it was the War Dogs' first loss in a straight tag team match since Foreman. So it was the Intergalactic Jet Setters that get the first win over War Dogs and put the little chink in the armor. They've been undefeated as a two-person team since then. I like that it was the team that they took the titles from because it just means that they got their win back in a scenario where they don't have the titles uh, as a prize. So you can kind of move on from the blow-off for now, knowing that, you know, this team got the better of you, and when we face off again, if we don't make it to the finals or whatever, which I kind of don't think uh, – once they won this match, I pretty much ruled them out uh, <laughs> from winning the tournament. Uh, they I feel like now. They got a title shot. They Yeah, so I think that title shot happened in December at the World Tag League uh, Championship or whatever, and, you know, that's great. But uh, I'm getting the strong sense that there will be every member of LIJ in the middle of that ring at Wrestle Kingdom, every single one of them could be holding a belt. <laughs> oh my, let's help. I'm let's getting help. the sense, man. <laughs> so that was that was that, and uh, a really good main event right there, and uh, the Jet Setters uh, getting the victory. And uh, yeah, Dunstan mentions these two have fantastic chemistry, and it was a bit of a surprise win. So where did that leave us, Jeremy? After that one, we have a uh, mess of teams with four points. Six teams with four points, three teams with two points, and Doki and Takamishinoku. Still with the donut or the bagel. All right, so Steven, we're going to go yes, to the next set of matches, but we're going full screen on these because these renders are new and they are amazing. Oh, okay. All right, let's see them. Fire away. Ooh, oh, that does look good. All right, so I like it. Uh, yeah, we will start off with uh, different different order than I got them. Do I have the wrong order? My bad. <laughs> Am I too early? What what match started? No, it's okay. Uh, let me get this up here. Uh, Kushida and yeah, I think this is the red. Order. Oh, you know I what? Started that, the one you know why? You know why? Because why? that was the semifinal. That was Desperado and Wato against Bushi and Titanes. Ah, all right. Well, oh, God. guide That's me through I'm... here. Why? Oh, my one. goodness. So uh, there were handshakes with Desperado and Titan uh, early. A chop battle broke out with them paired off. You know, they started just chopping the hell out of each other. Then they said, all right, let's go outside the ring and do the same thing. I don't know why. They did. And then they just said, you know what, let's go up into the orange seats and do this. So they did. So if you got it, we're up in the orange seats. You got an up-close look at these guys. There were stereo stairway dives by Bushi and Titan up there in the orange seats at Corican. Uh, and in the end there, this was a Guitar de Angel attempt by Desperado on Titan. That was turned into a satellite DDT. That was smooth as silk. It doesn't sound like it makes any sense. The Guitar de Angel attempt by Desperado turned into a satellite DDT. But Titan is a very agile, wonderful high flyer. And he managed to make that work. And it looked gorgeous. Uh, Watto hit the Recietamente for two. I said it right the first time. Titan saved it to the 15-minute mark. This one went 17.53, longest match of the tournament so far. Uh, Angel de Immortal on Watto, but Desperado made the save. Desperado held Bushi up for a spine buster, but tossed him to Master Watto for the Sutenkaku German. This move was Watto's idea, so there was actually a little bit of progress in their relationship that he uh, took 
that he that he did that move because Wado was saying, "Hey, wouldn't it be great if we did this?" And Desperado basically said, "No, it's stupid." But then he did it. So starting to the ice is beginning to melt. I think. Uh, Watto hit another Risa. Oh, I could do it once. I couldn't Recite do it twice. <laughs> on Bushi to win it. This was a terrific match. You should go out of your way to see it. That was the winner. Desperado and Watto getting the win over LIJ in the main event. Everybody uh, shaping up into fine form on night four of the tournament. We are fully in the middle rounds of this thing. And uh, we are starting to see the patterns and the uh, things coming to light. Kosei Fujita is a revelation. Uh, mm. Rob Eagles is fantastic. Despawato is my favorite tag team in this whole thing, and I yeah. am enjoying it. Warning, though, as we were watching the show, there was only Japanese commentary. So we yeah. got new renders, but we didn't have English commentary. So if there's any nuance that we missed, it's because we don't speak Japanese. We will get uh, delayed English commentary from uh, Chris Charles, and he'll be doing it in post a little bit later, which is probably a good thing, because he's starting to lose his voice a little bit. <laughs> That's a little rough for him. Yeah, uh, poor Chris. He, he, Chris did a good job. I mentioned that, you know, the Musashi thing. I, I didn't quite understand what he was trying to do there. But overall, Chris is doing really well filling in. He's not a play-by-play guy by definition, but uh, he, still does, it work. he still does a good job. He's had Hanari with him for a lot of it. Hanari has added some fun stuff in there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Chris is doing well. And, of course, this Saturday we'll see the debut of, uh, of the new guy. So that'll be cool. Yeah. Uh, well, so I, match. Do I have this right? Yeah, I believe we're okay. Well, let's see. Um, da, 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 da. Super Junior Tag League was, uh, well, no, the first one in Saitama when we were back at Wing Hat. This is today's show. Uh, it was Taguchi and DKC against Kevin Knight and Kushida to open up. Okay. I got so, these all messed up. That's okay. okay. Uh, let's see. This was a babyface match, though, between the two. Taguchi and Kushida let the kids uh, handle most of it, which is probably smart on their part. Uh, so uh, Knight even rightfully made fun of uh, DKC's karate chops. Uh, Kushida rallied to get the hoverboard lock for the win. Uh, Knight was a little bit more subdued here, not the, the dives that we've seen, although he did end up hitting the Shane O'Mac thing. Uh, but it's the fourth show in four days, so you could probably use a little bit of a rest. You also don't get as much of a babyface pop when you're doing those high-flying moves against another babyface. Smart, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a very, that's a very fair point. Uh, after that, we had uh, a very perfunctory match between TJP and Akira against Doki and Takamichi Noku. Nothing wrong with the match, but there also isn't a whole lot to add to it. You kind of knew what was going to end up happening here, and it was a very clean win for Catch 2-2. They hit the double knees on Takamichi Noku, who is doing what he always does and protecting people and taking falls. Uh, so uh, Akira beat Takamichi But the further TJP goes, the more hurt he's getting. Exactly right. And uh, But they do manage to get a win and stay in it. And then we had Yo and Musashi against Sho and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Look at this render. Look at this. I'm going to look at it. Here it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yo and Sho just shocked at each other. And you know what? Considering what happened in this match, this Uh is a very good graphic. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Let's talk about this. So a lot of heel stuff early from House of Torture. Musashi was doing the selling this time. The comeback began with a pump handle suplex to get the hot tag to Yo. Evil interfered. He grabbed the uh, babyface's ankles as they were trying to do a double super kick. Of course, it was a ref bump. Of course, Kanemaru tried the whiskey. That's when things went a little off the rails. <laughs> at least at least unusual. I'll say that. Not even off the rails, because I think it worked. Yo took, got the whiskey away from Kanemaru. He took a big swig of it himself. He managed to fight off Kanemaru with the whiskey still in his mouth. He fought off Sho, still with the whiskey in his mouth. Sho tried to cover Yo's mouth so that Yo would be forced to swallow the whiskey. He managed to knock Sho's hand away. 
Then he kissed show full in the mouth. Ten seconds. Ten seconds. This went on forever. I wanted to say 15 seconds, but I think 10 is is more accurate. They were lip to lip. He transferred all the whiskey mouth to mouth. And then he had him so locked in that they fell to the floor mouth to mouth still. I could not believe what I was watching. I'm I'm fine with it. I'm not like yeah. threatened in any way about anything like that happening, but I could not believe what I was seeing. You certainly don't expect it from New Japan. No. Nope. You just don't expect it from New Japan, but there it was. In the end, there was a super kick to Kanemaru. There was another ref bump, low blow. Kanemaru got the pin with a rolled up holding the jorts of Yo. And this is just another example, Jeremy. I'm declaring it right now. Another example of jorts being a terrible idea, both fashion-wise and competitiveness-wise. It just doesn't work for you. Too easy to grab, and you look ridiculous. So, again, George. Maybe I'll wear George on Halloween and a shirt because you can't see me. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I, yeah, I just can't wait to see Ginger's uh, face when he's the George spot. So, yeah, that was uh, that. was that. And uh, I, I can't say I remembered much about the finish, not nearly as much as the other. There's only one thing that you're going to remember about this match, and it's that showing you made out. I, yeah, I just uh, – oh, it was a You had to know as New Japan – what you were doing in that match. You had to know that either it was going to get a lot of attention or no attention whatsoever, but it is not a legitimizing move to do in a wrestling match. It is a comedy spot, and it was treated as a comedy spot. It was fun. It, it yeah, was, it was fun. fun. And the crowd got a kick out of it, and the crowd responded to it well. So. I just don't want it to come off that, like, I'm angry about it. I'm more no. like, what the fuck? It was just, you just, <laughs> I, just didn't, I, I didn't have it on my bingo card today. I just didn't. I mean, when you're I, getting over like uh, the flu shot and you're already like not quite lucid, and then you just see show and yo like make it out, you're like, am I? What? Wait a minute here. Is it <laughs> real life or is this just fantasy? <laughs> Dunstan mentioned that the ladies had their moment in that match in the audience right there. I think I think there might have been some people with some uh, writing some weird fan fiction that had a moment there. That's all I'm saying. Not in a lab, so I had no escape from reality. <laughs> <laughs> Titan, uh, Titan, oh my goodness, I'm tired. Teton and Bushi face Connors and Maloney next. Titan, come on, see. Uh, Naito made a surprise appearance. Just walked out with Teton and Bushi. And just chill, didn't do anything. But uh, honestly, was... I think it was just a goof ticket for later on, knowing that a star might just show up and sit next to you. Yeah, possible. Jump start for the War Dogs. Uh, comeback included uh, Stereo Tope Suicidas. Teton did more flying than most of the people on this card. I mentioned that this one was a little more subdued than others. Uh, and it wasn't really because they had an unenthusiastic crowd or anything like that, but it was. Oh, uh, again, I, have I a think we have a theory about why this match was so flat. This was, I mean, the third, it was, I realize it's the fourth match in a handful of days and the third in a row. So there was, uh, I think a lot of these guys were just like, okay, let's try to take it a little easier. They double teamed Bushi for a while, hit a high low on him for two. Titan broke that up. They called for the full clip. Uh, Bushi managed to get out of the full clip and shove Maloney into counters again. We didn't get the drop kick to the floor. But uh, Titan hit a running clothesline and drop kicked counters on the outside. So this is the move where uh, they set up Angel Immortal where opponent is in the corner, leaning against the turnbuckle. Teton yes. runs through, jives, clotheslines the guy while slashing feet first between the top rope and the second rope. This time, Connors was there, and he dropped kick Connors as he did it. So he kind of took out both guys with one move. That looked really cool. Uh, Teton uh, 
then, uh, it, yeah, he dropped him on the outside. And then the Anhel Martel, uh, Immortal was stopped by Maloney, though. And then uh, Maloney managed to hit a spear. And then they got the full clip on Bushi for the win. Uh, Naito just sat in the aisle and comforted him after they lost. But once again, War Dogs, not going to be seeing the War Dogs lose very much. And uh, they got the win over Titan and Bushi. So I think that they were holding back. Both teams were holding back because they're running the match back at a bigger date. Okay. That's what I thought when I got out of this. They were mm-hmm. just like, this is not the best of both of these guys. All four mm-hmm. of these guys can do. And it's fine. But, like, I don't blame the third show in three days. I I think this was a deliberate booking decision because I think Bushi and Teton are one of the finalists. And they may end up at Wrestle Kingdom challenging for the junior heavyweight tag titles and being part of a roll call holding belts at the end of the night with Naito. So uh, that is a long-term three-month kind of what I'm looking at here. But when I saw this match, it was like, this is not the match that I thought these guys would have uh, on this night. I definitely think that they were holding back. And why were they holding back? Because they're going to have a bigger version of this match. So you're expecting, or you're predicting total victory for LIJ at uh, WrestleMania. It feels like if they're not going to do it this year, like, I, I don't know. It just, mm-hmm. there are a lot of different directions moving all in the same direction. It's like when all the water trails down the mountain all lead to a giant, like, one final destination, but they're all taking different paths. I just, like, New Japan is playing their cards tight to the vest right now, but if I was looking at the landscape, there's a very real chance that everybody in the roll call at the end of Wrestle Kingdom will be holding a belt doing their fist in the air. That would be beautiful. Uh, that will lead us to our main event uh, today. Uh, that was Desperado and Watto against Fujita and Eagles. Watto and Despi are sticking with the narrative of two guys working as singles as a team. Des- Watto wants to be a team. Desperado doesn't really want to cooperate with him. Every once in a while, he'll call a plays for a double team move. But that's the story, right? That, that Watto is just going to wear him down a little bit. Uh, Robbie Eagles worked most of the first 10 minutes of this one. Fujita was really parked on the outside for a lot of it. and But they rallied, of course, hit an acai DDT, which is what they're calling kind of sliced bread these days, that uh, mm-hmm. acai DDT. Uh, put the Ron Miller special on Watto. Fujita had Despi in the double wrist lock, so there's your double submission move. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a drink. Uh, Watto made the ropes. Uh, then they started hitting uh, big move after big move. We had uh, a Vindival and Stretch Muffler for Desperado and Watto just to get back there. Uh, Robbie got out and broke up that submission. Watto threw him out of the ring. That left Desperado and Watto with Fujita. Uh, Recep Demente, and then later a Pinche Loco on Fujita gets the victory for Desperado and Watto. So they're sort of working together, starting the the, the thawing of the uh, ice, the chill there, but uh, Desperado still took off immediately and uh, did not stick around for uh, Watto's post-match. The two viscous substances are slowly starting to gel together. <laughs> so there it was. So where does that leave our standings after four nights of this tournament? There we go. So in front, we have a couple of teams that have won three of their first four. That is uh, the three of them, four of them, as a matter of fact. Kushida and Kevin Knight have won three of their first four. Wado and Desperado, as well as the War Dogs, um, Connors and Maloney, and Sho and Kanemaru also won three of their first four. Those teams are sitting at six points. Just behind them on four. Catch 2-2. 
Ryusuke Taguchi in the DKC, and Yo and Musashi sitting on four points. At two, Teton and Bushi. I don't expect them to do much losing the rest of this way. Eagles and Fujita, they might. Doki and Takamichinoku, they will. So what we have here is the comeback story for the LIJ part of the team and uh, part of this uh, group. And yep. uh, the fading, I'm guessing, of House of Torture, who might have some of their past misdeeds bite them in the butt a little bit. Uh, and, uh, you know, Knight and Kushida will probably suffer a loss in there. So we're thinking Teton and Bushi rallying now as uh, we come into the second week of this tournament. That seems like a strong one. Would you go with a heel team or a face team knowing that War Dogs is the final destination? No, I did have a baby face team, yeah. I mean, so we have two baby face teams. Yeah. Right now, Desperado and Watto could run the table and lose some fluke matches as their communication breaks down, but this isn't this isn't a long-term thing for them, so I'm kind of leaning mm. that it's not them, but... I think they're going to come very close, though. They're going to come very close. Like, I'm, I'm leaning towards wanting to say that the finals are going to be Deathful Watto versus Bushi and Teton, because that's pretty much where I want it to be, but I'm not necessarily sure that they are... that they're going to do that. So... Uh, I, also, I also think they're going to pay it off. I think Desperado is going to, at, by the end, give a the warm handshake to Watto. I think yes. I think we're going to see that by the end of it. Like they're cool with each other, but Shota and Red want to fight each other by the end of it. That's kind of how I kind of how I'm true. looking at it. Yeah. All right. Let's long, see. Connor and Maloney have Ryusuke and Taguchi. Uh, Ryusuke and Taguchi in the DKC to fight. They mm -hmm. have Desperado and Watto on the twenty eighth. Uh, Doki and Taka on the 30th, and Robbie Eagle and Kosei Fujita on. Yeah. Hmm. And, and keep in mind, they could very well send the War Dogs to the finals and have them lose in the finals. They it's could, possible, but possible also, possible. I I feel like that that takes away from another team that they probably shouldn't do, but I don't I agree, discount but it is an option. Whatsoever. It, it is I an option. I don't discount it they're pushing the War Dogs pretty hard. I'm just saying it's yeah. an option. For and uh, I, I'm leaning toward Bushi and Teton as the final. Uh, and the rest of it is kind of irrelevant to me. Here is what's upcoming this week. On uh, Saturday, the 28th in Fukushima, that's the next card uh, in Japan, Desperado and Wato will face Maloney and Connors. Knight and Kushida will take on Teton and Bushi in the top two matches. Monday, October 30th in Niigata, it'll be Kushida and Knight against Watto and Desperado, and Catch-2-2 two -two against Teton and Bushi. And, uh, yeah, you're going to be seeing a lot of that. Uh, there, there's going to be Watto and Desperado are involved in a lot of big matches this week. Tuesday on Halloween Day, uh, October 31st, in Toya, Toyama, Desperado and Watto against Catch-2-2, two -two. Maloney and Connors against Sho and Kanemaro. That'll be interesting right there to see the House of Torture shenanigans against the War Dogs, just straight-up aggression. Yeah, that'll be uh, funny. I'm curious to see how they book that. There'll, be, a, there'll be an ass beating and a whiskey bottle. Wednesday, November 1st, in Ishikawa, catch 2-2 against Sho and Kanemaru. That's not the strongest lineup of the tournament there, that Wednesday, November 1st show in Ishikawa. But Thursday, November 2nd, is the final day of block play. And the key matches, we don't expect uh, DKC and Doki and Taku to, to factor in. But Knight and Kushida will face catch 2-2. Fujita and Eagles will face Maloney and Connors. Watto and Desperado against Sho and Kanemaru. Yo and Musashi against Teton and Bushi. Jeremy, we got a lot of wrestling to watch between now and the next show. Hey, at least it'll be Japanese commentary so I can skip through the entrances because I won't understand anything. Although I will say, with these entrances, Bushi's costumes coming out for all these shows have been tremendous. 
I don't know if you've been paying attention to him, but he had mm-hmm. one where he came out with like a cat like gown over his head and like an Egyptian kind of pattern and it will and with the blinking lights and oh man, it was fantastic. He puts um, a lot of thought into that. Yeah, he does. All so right, speaking so- of speaking yeah. of, I forgot there was something that we forgot to cover earlier and we can touch on it real quick. Speaking of Super Junior alumni, we had a match, uh, Bound for Glory, Mm. with Will Ospreay and Mike Bailey that is airing on Impact tonight in the main event because of the uh, high regard that it's gotten. And there are a lot of people that cannot break the $40 barrier to catch this match. With Mm. that said, this match is everything people are telling you that it is. It was different than the Will Ospreay got Sabre Junior match. It was different than the... Kenny Omega will Ospreay matches. It was, for all intents and purposes, a much different match than Will Ospreay had. This was a matching of acrobats and physicality that uh, Mike Bailey did a fantastic job holding court with Will Ospreay. The right winner won with Will Ospreay. Uh, will Ospreay is around an impact for a few dates here and there. They're currently in the UK right now uh, filming some shows as we speak. So... If you can watch Impact, if you can find a recording that will be available for streaming after the fact, YouTube, whatever, go out of your way to see this match. There was also the... That's going to be on Impact TV tonight. It's going to be the main event for Impact TV tonight. Yeah. Save you some money. Chris Saban and Kenta was a perfectly acceptable uh, match. If you don't like Kenta, this is exactly all the things that you don't like about Kenta. But Chris Saban won. It was the opener for the show. And in all honesty, it was fine. But you do not need to go out of your way for this one. And then, and then, and then, and then we had. We had this match last night on AEW. And it was Kazuchiko Okada and Orange Cassidy versus Claudio Castagnoli and Brian Danielson. And uh, this was a party match. And not a whole lot of consequence to it. It paid off fan service in a lot of ways to a lot of long running angles, but it did not do anything to clear up what anyone will be doing with their feuds with each other in the foreseeable future. Will Okada be at world's end on December 30th now as a result of the feuds going on? Who knows? But you know, Wrestle Kingdom is the next week after we have no idea if new Japan is going to put all their guys on ice until then just out of an abundance of caution and protection and want to keep their show special. But Okada on AEW Dynamite was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun for the payoff, but it was not a five-star match. Uh, There was a lot of feuding between Chaos and Blackpool Combat Club. At the end, Orange Cassidy gave Brian Danielson a Superman punch, followed into a Rainmaker, uh, and then that took him out of the ring when then Claudio Castagnoli uh, destroyed Orange Cassidy with, uh, I think it was the Swiss uppercut, and took him out, leading to a match there. But we are heading toward more chaos in Blackpool Combat Club. Whether it is Danielson and Okada before Wrestle Kingdom or at Wrestle Kingdom, it remains to be seen. But there was also a lot of jaw jacking between Moxley and Okada when that pull apart happened at the very end as well. Let's bring this up. Dunstan mentioned uh, in regard to the Osprey Bailey match, there's not enough time in the day to explain why this match was excellent. So there you go. Go watch it. And then he also mentions, uh, let's see here. He also mentions that, uh, and then he says, I disagree with the match and, and, and ending <laughs> it seems like Okada and Danielson is happening again. I think it yeah. is. I just, it's the question of where. 
Yeah, uh, I hope to God it's not that AEW pay for you. New Japan needs to stand up for itself and just say, I just, we, were, I we were the visiting team and did the job. Now you are the visiting team and do the job. And you know, hopefully that's how it turns out. I get the you get one and I get one, but I'm way more in the camp of I would like New Japan to have a fresh match that they get to offer rather than a match that they haven't offered that has been seen or aired first in the stakes. I think I think Okada needs to get I think it's important for Okada to get that one. And and and, yeah. on, and in front of a in front of the crowd. Plus, let's not forget part of this is Danielson going through his bucket list, and part of that yep. involves the the Tokyo Dome. Doesn't necessarily have to be Okada, but I, I just want to see that match at full at full throttle because, of course, they had to dial it back because of the broken arm. So, you know, yep. I hope so. I'm flying to Las Vegas tomorrow, Jeremy. Hang it down on the Rain Man sleep. We have got Fighting Spirit Unleashed coming out. And, uh, yeah, let's take a look at that card here real quick. I Do you know either of these guys? Not really. They're, they're mostly guys from the NJPW Academy there in Los Angeles. So it's a bit of a showcase match for some of the guys coming out of uh, the more advanced students from the uh, New Japan Academy in L.A. Mm-hmm. So uh, my, that's Matt Vandegrift and Buck uh, Skinner, who uh, spells his name the way rock bands do. Uh, I just, think uh, that there's a point to that, but you yeah, know, I do we'll too. See. I do too. So uh, we'll, we'll get a look at them in there and then we'll see. Uh, I'm excited about this one because I really like Royce Isaacs. Uh, I think he's a terrific wrestler. Uh, Danny Limelight and Jarrell Nelson are his partners against uh, Balian Aki, Titus Alexander, and Jacob Austin Young. So uh, some fresh faces there in the uh, pre-show. Uh, for... I feel like I've seen Balian Aki somewhere before and I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so figured out be... by the time we recap the show next week. Yeah. And then the main show, we have Kojima, Fred Rosser, Alex Coughlin, and Jeff Cobb in a uh, four-way match for the number one contenders spot for the Strong Openweight Championship. So, of course, Strong Openweight title will be defended later on in the show. We'll talk about that. It's one, It's one. I can believe it is the main event of this show uh, at uh, Sam's Town. And this match will determine who the next number one challenger is. Which uh, feels like either Cobb or Rosser, doesn't it? Yeah, kind of Cobb or Rosser. I'd go with Rosser if it were me. Um, just getting a rematch against Kingston, that kind of thing. Do you remember when we first saw this render and we thought it's a tag? <laughs> I thought match. it was a tag match. Yeah, I, thought was, I thought, what the hell was going <laughs> on here? I thought it could make any sense at all. No, it's a four way. There's going to be a big, meaty man. Like, <laughs> there's going to be a beef battle, and it could be fun. <laughs> Get your fan fiction ready, folks. Next. Ooh, hey. Uh, we have a uh, tag match between uh, four uh, CMLL female uh, wrestlers here, which is going to be pretty cool. Uh, Yuvia and Johnny Robbie. Yuvia, by the way, means rain. Uh, Stephanie Vaquer and Zeusy. See, I, there's my Duolingo coming in. Uh, and then Zeusy and Stephanie Vaquer on the other side. Of course, Stephanie has uh, been showcased before on these shows. Uh, she's considered a really bright young talent. Yuvia is pretty good. Uh, I'm not as familiar with the other two, so I'm looking forward to seeing some uh, CMLL talent that I, I don't always get to see. Uh, in the Friday night shows at Arena Mexico. They show up sometimes right there, but uh, this will be a chance to see them in person for the first time. Yeah, I'm excited for the show. It's, uh, it's good to scout new talent and just kind of have a new knowledge base of some of these uh, mm-hmm. talents from Mexico. Tommy Lawler, Filthy Tom against Gabe Kidd. I don't Chaos. like Tom's chances. Chaos in this match. Uh, I, mean, I mean, there is... Uh, I'd imagine this will be a lot of fun to watch. It'll probably be pretty wild. I'd imagine they might take a tour of ringside a, a little bit. I'm in the fourth row. I might end up with one of them in my lap. Who knows? Anything could happen. You might. Uh, knowing that Gabe Kidd has a match with Will Ospreay in December in Rev Pro, 
Uh, I'm going to repeat my statement that I don't like Tom Waller's chances in this, but uh, I hope that he gets opportunities elsewhere if he's not going to get more opportunities in New Japan. After that, we have a really exciting match here. This is an eight-man tag. It is the Atlantis uh, 40th anniversary match in the United States. So there's a lot of qualifiers for that. But nevertheless, we have Atlantis, the, one of the all-time legends of Lucha Libre, teaming with Hiroshi Tanahashi, one of the all-time legends of Japanese wrestling, Mystico, one of this generation's top Lucha Libre stars, and Atlantis Jr., who is likely to be a star well into the future for Lucha Libre. So a lot of synergy in that one. And facing them will be Soberano Jr., another terrific uh, guy that's really come up in CML and is just beginning his main event career, which is probably going to last a while. Uh, Adrian Quest, uh, Tiger Mask, of course, the, a legend of uh, junior heavyweight wrestling in Japan, and Rocky Romero, the number one heel in Mexico. So uh, just a lot of things going on in this one right here. I'm excited that I get to see Atlantis in person and Mystico for that matter. But man, Atlantis is, uh, you know, one of the all-time Lucha Hall of Famers. So I'm pretty fired up I get to, to, to get a close look. This could be a party match, and I'm here for it. And we have the strong women's championship, Hayan, uh, who is, uh, we mentioned, we did a little bit of a biography on her. She's been uh, working indies around for, for years and years. She will be facing Julia, the strong uh, women's champion. Of course, we've mentioned before, nothing's happened to that belt until she faces Mercedes Benet for it eventually. But uh, I'm excited about seeing Julia, one of the best uh, wrestlers in the world on, the, on that side. And uh, one of Stardom's top stars coming over to Vegas, and uh, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm excited about seeing her. I expect a title retention without oh, oh, too many problems, but it'll be exciting to see her. Uh, the more that she's in the stake, the more that she's going to get well known. Um, she maybe it. we see maybe we see a Mercedes tonight, but I do think that we're going to see Mercedes sometime soon with regards to that belt, and I'm just curious uh, what the timetable is going to be for that. Absolutely. And, of course, the main event of this one is next, I believe, right? Uh, two ta a tag match and then the main event. Oh, well, that's right. We have another title match. Yes, the strong tag team title match. Alex Zane and Lance Archer, who made a surprisingly good team when they did some previews uh, a little while ago. Uh, they are facing ELP, El Fantasmo, and Hikaleo for the strong tag team titles. This will probably be a good one. I, I, again, I expect your attention. Uh, I, I don't expect the titles to change hands, but they could. I guess they could if they decided to go with uh, Zane and Archer, but... Uh, this could be a fun one here. Uh, strong tag team titles on the line. Yeah, I think it's a retention too. I like ELP and Hikuleo as a tag. I think that they got legs, and I think we may see both of these teams in the yeah. World Tag League. Yeah, I think that's very likely. And then we have Hanare and Eddie Kingston. They've been talking about this one for a long time. This challenge was laid down at the G1 finals. We're seeing Eddie Kingston and Hanare face-off for the strong open weight championship. Of course, uh, Eddie right now, just on a career high, just uh, he's over everywhere he goes. I expect him to be over with the crowd in Vegas. And uh, I, I do think he's going to keep this belt. I don't think it's time to take it off of him yet. I think he's a little too popular and he can help uh, He can help with, uh, with New Japan uh, strong. So I would imagine Kingston holds on to this one. But, you know, Hanare is a terrific opponent for him. This is just the right guy that can give Eddie a good fight. And that's what Eddie does best. They're still pulling the threads of that fee bracket, man, from the G1, and I think this is one of the last, uh, one of the last building blocks, unless we're somehow getting Shingo and Eddie out of this afterwards. 
And of course, we're going to hear Walker Stewart for the first time and on the uh, on the call for this uh, card. We will also see a preview tag for the Tokyo Dome, Tetsuya Naito, Hiromu Takahashi, and a special tag match against Sanada and uh, Yuya Uemura. So a lot of talent in the ring right there. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing some of these guys. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen uh, Sanada, Naito, Hiromu, and I haven't seen Yuya Uemura yet. So that'll be cool. Uh, Yuya will be feeling right at home at Sam's Club. Sam's Club. <laughs> it's Sam's, Sam's Club. Every damn time. Every damn time. <laughs> the never open weight title will be on the line, too. We're getting Tamatanga and Shingo Takagi. Now, this one, you know, there's some jeopardy here for the title. You always have to take Shingo Takagi seriously whenever he challenges for a belt. He and Tamatanga should have a banger. I kind of think title change. You feeling it? You That's know what I said earlier? Yeah, I know you did. Um, I was just trying. What, what, what I, belt was I think what, title uh, change. But if they were to do the world tag league and have them have the tag titles instead, that might be the, the difference that they do. But uh, Shingo Takagi is going to get a big win at some point in the future. Maybe Tamatonga loses this. Maybe he wins it. He just won it back. And, you know, it kind of cemented his role as a never open weight champion uh, legacy. So if however long this reign lasts, I think he's kind of cemented himself at that level. And uh, it's just bonus time at this point. Um, Steven, yeah, there was a question from earlier. Yeah, I have a question for you guys. Dustin Williams says, Should New Japan consider changing their formats for these shows? Because the ticket sales for Samstown is around 730 uh sold tickets, according to them. So, what are your thoughts? Well, okay, so I'm going to Google something here while I uh, do this because Samstown Point Live uh, is not a big place. And he's right. The ticket sales did not, they did not fly off the, uh, they did not fly off the shelf, the ticket sales for this one. But this building only holds about mm, 1,100 people still. They haven't sold all the That's tickets. Like 60% capacity. Yeah, and they and they haven't sold all the tickets because they have the entrance and all that kind of stuff. I think it's set up for about 900. One of the issues I think they have is they don't. Las Vegas is a place you have to fly into. I don't think there are all that many wrestling fans in Las Vegas. When they announce the card so late, because the kayfabe way that they do things. It, it, it does hurt things because you do have to plan to go to Las Vegas. It's not like there are thousands of wrestling fans in Vegas waiting to go to a show like there are in Philadelphia, like there are in New York and all that. Uh, so having having a destination show when you don't tell anyone what the card is until about two weeks before the show fully, then I think you're kind of setting yourself up for a little bit of trouble there because the mm -hmm. ticket sales did trickle their way out. Nevertheless, there is a bit of a problem with the way that some of these shows are selling. I know Lone, Lone Star Shootout, you know, which is not far after. We, all we know is that Mayu Iwatani is going to be there. And a yes. couple other people, Moxley is going to be there. And they're just hoping that that sells tickets. It's more difficult to sell a new Japan show in the United States with no card. WWE can just hang the shingle out there and it works. AEW can't necessarily do that. We're seeing AEW is not exactly selling a lot of tickets these days. And so right now, the only company that's hot enough to just say WWE is coming and people will buy tickets for it. And that, and that they're on an upswing right now. 
I think one of the issues with New Japan is because of the way they kayfabe these cards mm -hmm. is they don't announce it ahead of time. And people just aren't going to buy tickets sight unseen like that. And especially because you kind of know, especially as a New Japan fan, that you're not going to get the whole cast. We're not getting, we're getting Naito. We're getting Sonata. That's pretty cool. I'm not arguing. You're not getting the same card you're getting at Cork and Hall. Yeah. And so, and, and you also know that Super Juniors is coming. So a lot of those guys are busy and things. So the way they book hampers them when they come, when they do things like this, when they don't announce the card ahead of time, do they need to do something different? Probably. Uh, they probably need to have matches that aren't dependent on other big cards. That's challenging to do. I understand that, but I think they need to announce the card earlier if they want to really sell tickets. What do you think, Jeremy? I think, that's I think, really I think their business plan is static and it's not going to change. So I'm not really sure what they can do to change their business plan to attract more tickets. I think it has more to do with card structure and layout. As much as this is an exciting card for uh, die, I, Eddie Kingston, Kingo Takagi, and Tamatonga in the main event of this show is not going to get your AEW, your WWE people. They're not going to show up for that, yeah. and that's fine. You know, it's like you have Okada on Dynamite on Wednesday, but he's not going to be on the strong show on Saturday. You know, like people are just like, you wonder why there's not an attraction to these shows. You're not, your top stars aren't guaranteed to be there. And they're on other promotions with bigger viewership earlier in the week. And you're just like, you are telling me that this is not as important a show as other things. And I have done no work whatsoever to come to that conclusion. You are literally handing me that determination. They gotta stop doing that. They gotta they gotta keep their business as a priority. And as much as cooperation with AEW is important, you gotta you, you gotta put yourself first in some of these scenarios. Yeah, yeah, I think that might be a problem uh, there too. That they're just. I mean, I was gonna buy this one because I was already gonna be in Las Vegas, right? Yeah. That's why I'm at this show. That's why I'm, that's why they sold two tickets to me. But this isn't something like this late in the game. I, there's nothing on this card that I would say, ooh, boy, I got to fly out there. And Bro, they counter-programmed Kenny Omega and MJF because they don't care about the strong show. You know, like they have collision, and in three days' time, they put MJF and Kenny Omega for the AEW world title. One of the biggest malpractices of build whatsoever because you realized you stumbled into something rather than like let this organically build. I don't expect a queen finish. You really can't be a queen finish, especially with yeah. Jay White shenanigans going around. There's a whole lot of things that we could talk about on that. But AEW is not always New Japan's best friend. And yeah. arrangements being made to cater to one over the other can be frustrating sometimes. And the reality is a lot of people look at this from the AEW point of view. Of like, how does this best benefit AEW? And lose sight of the how does this benefit New Japan? Yeah. Yeah. That's very well said. That's very well said. I think New Japan needs to really look at how much they work with AEW in the future and things. I mean, we all had fun with Forbidden Door, and but but boy, that it does seem that AEW acts pretty one-sided when it comes to a lot of this stuff. It's, it, it doesn't feel like it's enough of a two-way street for me. He's a canny businessman, that Tony Khan, but uh, some people can see through what his priorities <laughs> I don't, are. I don't know. I, uh, there are a lot of words I would I am being uh, polite when I say that because it can mean a number of different things <laughs> you draw uh, your conclusion uh, steven uh, we've got eight and a half minutes over we should not go over anymore okay. what's your socials 
Uh, well, it's at Stephen Conway ADA, but it's no big deal. Come find me here for the love of God. And and if you like this show, please like, subscribe. It does help the algorithm. Absolutely, algorithm. And also also giving us a five star review and uh, re uh, reviewing us on the podcast. All big helps helps people find the show. It really does. It really does help the algorithm. And we thank the people that have already done so. Hey, you see my dog sometimes. Hey. Hey, Cole. All right. So you're done, Jeremy. Anything you want? I'm to ready. Let's take it All home. Right, man. All right. So we next week we are going to talk about Fighting Spirit Unleashed, of course. And we will be covering a lot of shows in the Super Junior Tag League as it runs up to the finals and power struggle. We will preview that. It's going to be <laughs> another we have full show. To preview as well as one show. Uh no. Five shows to review instead of four this week and one show to preview. Is that right? I think we're up there like that. And there's really going to be six shows because we have Unleashed to uh, cover as well. So lots going on. But, hey, this is a fun time to be a New Japan fan. And uh, we're enjoying uh, talking with you guys and bringing it all to you. So with that in mind, for Jeremy Feinstein, I'm Stephen Conway. Thanks for joining us for Speaking Strong Style. We'll talk to you again very soon.